What up, what up, what up? I'm Zid Raw. Welcome to Otaku Beef, where I'm literally talking about any otaku nonsense that I personally enjoy. So, obviously, we have video games. Obviously, we have anime and manga. Obviously, we have hip-hop. Everything that, I guess, makes my world go round. But... Like I first said, obviously, obviously, we have video games. Video games, video games, video games. I am obsessed with all types of geek fun, including video games. It's not, it's not too difficult to remember all of those times when I was 12, 13, 14, and I just had, 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 had to lose myself in so many of these games. I had to jump into these amazingly crafted worlds and just enjoy, enjoy this other place that was kind of created for us. And it's, it's just one of those things that's just tons and tons of fun. It's kind of hilarious how in-depth and detailed and expansive people thought video games were not going to get. What I mean by that is the understanding of video games when they first came out was that that they were a fad. They see things like Pong. They see things like... What is the, the... the, the ball bouncing against the bricks, whatever that one is called. They see those games and they see fads. They see temporary little indulgences. But here's the thing. If a human being can attach a story to something, a human being will find a way to do so. And every incredible story craves expansion and growth and that's why you get these immense incredible uh, video game worlds that were obviously coming because there was an attachment to the to the action when you are compelled to perform maybe simple or repetitive action on a consistent basis, you apply meaning to that action. That's what storytelling is. You feel drawn to something consistently. Well, what's the reason? Tell me why. Tell me who. Tell me when. Storytelling. So, we get these amazing, fantastic worlds inside these video games. And I was just thinking about it this morning, how I would always kind of sit and write out like my wish list of what I wish would happen when a development team sat down to design a new video game. Like, what parts, what moments, what ideas, what styles, what what, what sounds would I choose if I were to say, this is my perfect game? This is the game that I've always wanted to play and I'm going to lose myself 100 hours plus into it. 
what would I choose? I mean, we all had those moments and those fantasies of, I think I want to design video games. You know, when you're 12, when you find out that video games don't just come out of the ether, that there's a team of human beings like you working on games. We, we, we did that when we were in high school. Me and a friend of mine, we were like, okay, we think there's going to have to be someone in video games who decides things and makes the games and chooses the stories and, ch- and doles out the ideas. Why can't that be us? We called it Project Tuna. Because we were under the sun. So, I'm going to just jump right into it. What would be my ideal game? What would I like to see? And obviously I'm going to talk about an RPG because those are my favorite types of games to play. I think whenever I'm, I'm, I'm wanting a, uh, an RPG, I definitely lean toward the JRPG style and fashion. That's kind of what I'm most drawn to. The reminiscence and the nostalgia for me, that's the world I want. I'm obviously going to pick pieces and borrow pieces from all these different um, universes, but as far as the soul of the game that JRPG breath of, of life is kind of my kind of my thing serious but with a lot of lighthearted moments that would make me very very happy so aesthetically I'm already imagining that I'd like to see it either one of two ways we can either go Realistic, quote unquote, but with a, a an anime tint to it, kind of like in the vein of Final Fantasy 15. I would appreciate that. They just look better. Their character models, the Japanese role-playing game character models, they just look better in RPG. If we compare RPG to RPG, the Japanese ones just look better. The character models, the worlds. Actually, they may even look better, too. Like, that very stylized, but almost animated, lush, vivid world of the new Zelda game. I would take that over the uh, the Skyrim world. There's a couple of uh, RPGs, like, I think Rift. Not Rift. There was, like, a new one. It was, like, this beautiful JRPG style. Or, like the worlds in Team Eco games, Shadow of the Colossus, where it's just, you have this, it's not, it doesn't feel like a harsh, dense, like, world. I like the moments in Skyrim in the world where I'm running and I'm just appreciating the beauty, the snow, the, the leaves on the ground, the, 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 the gorgeous settings. I don't like as much the, the harsh 
kind of like mossy, dirty, grimy environments. And I feel like there's more of that in Western RPGs. Or even they'll take what should be a beautiful, a beautiful environment and they'll make it harsh. And that's really not what I'm what I'm wanting. I want the I want the beautiful, gorgeous world moments. I want the the breath of fire for gorgeousness moments. I want the breath of the wild gorgeousness moments. That's really what I'm looking for when it comes to how I want my game to look and feel. And speaking of feel, music is so important to me when it comes to these games that there's something missing from a good RPG when there's no great sounds. And I appreciate atmospheric music, but the music in, in, in moments, but the music in Skyrim, other than the theme song, is just whatever for me. There's no other memorable songs. And that's another tip to the hat of JRPGs, particularly Final Fantasy. What elevates Final Fantasy and Suikoden to a whole nother level, Valkyrie Profile, is because Valkyrie Profile 2 Silmaria, <laughs> these are video games that create incredible soundtracks. People like myself, we listen to the soundtracks in separation of the games. That's what I'm talking about. Nobuo Matsu, um, the other guys, I, I, names I just don't know. But we'll get more detailed into the sound too. I want to talk first about something else. So, I feel like before we can get more detailed about the aesthetics and how it should look and feel and sound and stuff like that, there's something equally as important that, that or more important actually, that we need to start with. So let's start with the gameplay and really kind of dive into how we want the gameplay to be. Gameplay, because that's basically what you're going to be doing the majority of the time, can cause you to continue to play a game or can cause you to stop playing a game fairly quickly. And one of the funniest things that people used to say all the time the people who say that certain games are better, older games are better, is because of the gameplay. They'll say stuff like graphics don't matter, all that matters is a good is good gameplay, and you know, blah blah blah. But obviously, graphics matter to an extent, and even things that don't matter to them may matter to another person. But Gameplay is one of those things where I've always, always, always had a preference for uh, fighting games. But you don't want to have tons and tons of combinations in your RPGs. That gets tedious. Now, if we could also do it like a traditional turn-based RPG. And that's fine, but that's not broad enough for enough people. Uh, the people that enjoy turn-based games enjoy other style of combat, but the people that enjoy other styles of combat don't necessarily enjoy turn-based games. 
So, action game style, I feel is the most perfect choice for the video game that I'm wanting to exist. That action game style just works. And in particular, the gameplay that I want to mirror is that of Dragon's Dogma. I think that Dragon's Dogma's gameplay is the best. It's probably the best, most satisfying combat that I've had in the game for a number of reasons. One, it's it's complex enough to where it's not boring or redundant. You evolve to get new movesets that you still have to execute. They don't just do things for you, so it's some, it has engagement. But they're not too complex that you feel like you have to get fifth place in a fighting game tournament in order to play it comfortably. Other games, other systems that were pretty satisfying was Valkyrie Profile's original system, where each character corresponds to a different button. That was one of the better turn-based combats that I've ever seen. Um, Legend of Zelda-style combat is obviously up there, but it's that's more adventure combat pulled back even more. Skyrim is like adventure style combat. I would I like the more action based combat where I feel I feel myself strategizing in the midst of the battle. I feel myself figuring things out in the middle of the of the fight and actually putting effort toward being one of the better fighters in the story. So when you get towards the end goals and the major bosses you're not just stronger visibly, you are, but you're also a better fighter. That's what I what I look for when it comes to uh, to combat, and Dragon's Dogma just nailed it. So, for our perfect game, our meaning Zidra, me, myself, and I, and you guys, if you if you're into my my leans, the combat from Dragon's Dogma is still my favorite sequel to Dragon's Dogma, I have no idea where it is, and I have no idea if um, Deep Down is ever coming out or the Dragon's Dogma MMO MOBA game is coming out, we'll see so beyond the combat, what else would I like to see in this fictitiously designed J slash W slash global RPG of my dreams um I want to see some some interesting things I want to see I would like to see a very intricate character designer uh, for someone like me if I could design my own character and plop it into a JRPG aesthetic type world I feel like that would be cool the way, the same way that Black Mesa allows you to make very good-looking characters, I like good-looking characters like that. But for me, it'd be cool if they had that kind of like cartoon-style, anime-style vibe because that pleases me. 
So me being able to have a very highly detailed 2D-ish character or 3D but still having that anime vibe character, that would be just perfect. And I want good black people hair in this character creator too. Not just bald, cornrows, and weird shaping afro. Give me at least one fade, you know? Can I get the... Uh, can I get the braids and the twists in different styles, put the, put up in different ways? Can I get the ODB twists? Like, give me everything. Give me as much variety and give me different colors. Anyway. The character creator is fun for me, so it's my game. So I'm just going to say that there's a super detailed character creator. Once you create your character... I also want the freedom of abilities and choice. That's one of the things where I lean Western RPG is that you can design and build your character however you want. So many games in Western RPGs let you do this where you can either do it beforehand or as we're starting to get into, as you play, you design how your character is. So like in Skyrim, which is one of my favorite freedom of choice systems but has weird weirdly small level level numbers which makes me not really know if I'm progressing in a timely manner or not but the freedom to kind of just design your character however you want and do whatever you want that's what I would like to see so I want to see I want to see the ability for me to make a mage that can also wield a sword, you know, with unique style, style magic and swordplay powers. Don't give me any weird names for it, like just because this is your special game where you're calling it like um, spirit talkers. No, I want them to be mages, wizards, uh, necromancers. All the words already exist. You know, we don't have to make up something else where I have to learn something, something else. You can give me your version of a necromancer, but just call it necromancer, call it witch, wizard, knight, uh, paladin. Keep it simple, stupid. So, I want that depth and flexibility of character creation. I want that depth and flexibility of uh, character style and look, but I want a, a story. I want a, I want a threaded story that takes me throughout the world where I have the ability to explore, but I'm going to do it a little old school where it's like you can explore, but first let's go through some of these locations and then you can branch out and explore as you go. That's really what I want to see. I want in my perfect game <laughs> to be taken and shown an experience. With the action combat of Dragon's Dogma, the same way they showed me an experience of Dragon's Dogma, it just, Dragon's Dogma ended too soon. I wanted more cities. And it's so funny because you guys are going to think Dragon's Dogma is like my favorite RPG ever. And it is definitely up there. And it probably would have gone down as one of the best RPGs I played if, if it actually continued on. Quests don't really equate to story for me. It's... The actual story that they're telling has to lead me through the world, not, oh, go find some shit. 
Yo, this is Zid Raw on Otaku Beef. I hope you guys aren't tired of me yet because I'm definitely not tired of me. <laughs> so we're just walking through stuff I'd like to see in my idealized, um, hyperbolized video game where it's a crazy RPG. Um, a lot of customization with character design, a lot of customization with the gameplay, the freedom to play how you want to play. The way how in Final Fantasy VIII, you could apply the magics to any type of character. And they had their unique quirks, but for the most part, you could kind of play it how you wanted to play it. And then there's the music. I want, I want a mixture of the traditional JRPG-ish sounds. Or actually, I just want a good soundtrack. Whatever suits the world, I want the music to shift when things are tense. I want characters to be able to have their own theme songs. I want the world to break out into the theme songs of the local places as certain events are triggered or as you go about your day. And I need moments of atmospheric just wandering so I can experience the beauty and the joy and the, the interesting things happening, the interesting things happening in that world. I feel like that's important for someone like me because I want there to be memorable songs. Like I still listen to the original soundtrack for Final Fantasy 12, for Final Fantasy 8, for Final Fantasy 7, 6, 5, we can just keep going down the list. The songs are good. And when we have the ones where people are singing, I actually want them to get good singers who can really, who really know how to inflect and carry the right tune. And, and they're not just um, singing through their, through their nose and throat, which it bothers me to no end. Uh, I noticed that since I was a kid. And so when I hear it, I'm just like, oh, 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 you know. But this is kind of how I feel when it comes to stuff like that. Because it's like, this is my ideal video game world. I just want the experience to be continuous and gorgeous and feel good. And I want the, to, the ability to be able to continue to add on to my character customization. Maybe you unlock certain uh, customizations for um, different, aesthetical, different aesthetic choices as you progress and as you level up and as you get further along in the game. That type of thing. That's what I want. I want more of, I want more of that. I want the ability to design or recolorize the armor that you have. That was something that I saw in Final Fantasy 13, three lightning, the awakening, <laughs> lightning returns. Yeah. When you got an outfit, you could then go in and recolorize and customize it. It was very aesthetically driven, which I really appreciated. Oh, okay. So here's something else that I want in the game, which I'm not going to go in detail. I want a life simulator date sim aspect to it. Like Persona does, I believe, but I haven't played Persona yet, but I'm going to. Those moments, 
like the Alterior Iris games where you have like alchemy simulations and it's like fun little anime, cartoony uh, skits, date sim skits, sketches. Like I love that stuff. That That's a freaking blast. And putting that in my game, which, you know, the most personalized, fantastic RPG ever, that would just put it over the top. Like, allow me to have a whole other storyline in addition to the main storyline of the game. And obviously you want your, your kill quest your to do, like, extra stuff when you don't feel like playing the main game. Places that you can explore. Um... I would like there to be things hidden throughout the game, hidden treasures or hidden moments or hidden events that if you found them, you would be rewarded with something new and interesting or a new character, stuff like that in my perfect RPG game. What up, what up, what up? Zidra, no flaws. How is everybody doing today? And I mean that in the most genuine sense of the sentiment like how are you doing are you having a good day are you having fun are you doing something throughout your daily life that's bringing you happiness i know we all struggle to try and do the things that we want to do and the more i age the more i'm starting to realize that it's pretty rare for someone to be fortunate enough to do what they want to do as their occupation Our occupations give us meaning, and if you never meant to be in the occupation that you're in, you realize that a lot of part of your day is meaningless. So, I hope that you guys are chasing what you want to do. If you don't have it yet, I hope you do get it. If you do have it, I hope you appreciate it and help somebody else get where they want to be, because that's basically what it's all about you know it's all about love peace and serenity so at the moment I was watching a lot of videos where I can really tell where my attention is based on the videos that I'm watching I was watching a twitch channel where a guy is playing Skyrim and I think this is his first Skyrim playthrough but Obviously, because of where the game is at now, the Skyrim Special Edition, plus... No, he wasn't playing the Special Edition. He was playing Skyrim, but modded up like crazy on the PC. And I could tell because he was using the PC, the modded uh, PC interface, which changes the uh, the GUI if you're not using a controller. Um, I, I played a lot on my computer as well, but I left it the same because I was playing with an Xbox 360 controller, or an X, yeah, an Xbox 360 controller, and I was, um, what else was I doing? I had a complete, like, mind fart. I was playing with the Xbox 360 controller, third person. Yeah, that's how I prefer to play it. I like to pull back, see the character. If I got cool armor, I want to see the armor. I want to see the the arc of the character slashes. That's what I prefer. So that's how I played it. But he was playing first person, and that's one of those things with action games. I don't know how you guys can do it because I can't see anything. When a character is coming at you and 
they're like in your face and they disappear and they're in your face. I, I have no idea what's going on because they're like right up on you and they're almost like when they get that close, I feel like I'm just flailing. I don't feel like I'm making any precision blows or anything like that. It feels far more imprecise to me. But with shooting, it's the opposite. With a, with a shooter, it feels a lot more precise to zoom into the first person mode. That's why I used to always like in Zelda to see if I could hit stuff from horseback as he's galloping and I, I would zoom in and uh, that was those were good times, but I was watching that, and I was watching a little bit. Uh, I was watching people's commentary videos on uh, what was the one? I think it's the guy who made Minecraft, where he in, ended up creating another indie game, where it's just like a world and you're solving puzzles and it's a bunch of mystery. Guy did this in-depth video uh, about that. Someone had did an in-depth video about near. Automata saying that it was a masterpiece and that's just kind of got my blood boiling I just have this urge to play a good video game and it's been a minute I haven't bought a new console in a while because I was playing everything on my computer I had this pretty monstrous PC that I had built in like 2013 or 14 or something like that I think it was 2013 I had it for a while and it basically died. It fr it fritzed out. I was thinking about upgrading it, but now it's like I don't really want to mess with PC gaming anymore because the they're putting my 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 precious RPGs on consoles. So I kind of want to play all those games that I haven't played for a while. So I, I'm thinking about getting a PS4. Um, <laughs> finances pending, right? Like everything, yeah. There was a man whom I used to hang out with every now and then. He was in my uh, my writing group back in the day, and he was one of the smartest men I ever met. He and the other guy, whom shall remain nameless, they were just two very brilliant people, and I learned a ton from them. He always would put it to me like this. He said that every single story that a person reads watches, consumes, or in the case of video games, plays, is a fantasy. And what it is, is that each person is using this fantasy to fulfill some sort of urge or need that they're not getting in real life. Whether that urge is the lack of a sex life, so you end up watching a lot of like very uh, satisfying like romances in the case of a lot of women with, um, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, Twilight, longing to be desired by the cool, super strong, super high status dude who happens to be a vampire or... Um, a sadist or whatever just to give it some sort of leaning a different flavor you know barbecue, ranch, chipotle sadist vampire, werewolf that's basically all it is or you 
are feeling like restricted in your everyday life and everyone is just overreacting and everyone is kind of like wimpy and you all you do is just like go to the gym but you can't act on it and so you consume a lot of the Sopranos and Breaking Bad and a lot of mafia style genre movies and stuff because you're getting out this urge which you feel as if is being bottled up and the urge can even be like validation of your own opinion hence documentaries on things that you have a strong opinion about maybe you just need the urge to feel validated and here comes a documentary and it shows you what you were wanting to see or in an angle that you're wanting to see or maybe it's informing you and you you feel like being educated but we could go on forever but the thing is that medium and that content is fulfilling a fantasy i.e. it's fulfilling a need that you have probably on some subconscious level so when I think about where I'm at right now and I feel as if I'm making some really good steps forward, just taking my time, really trying to put in the energy to getting where I want to be. Uh, for those of you who are new to Otaku Beef, I'm an aspiring rapper, I'm an aspiring otaku, and I'm an aspiring human being. And some of these things are coming quicker than others, but a lot of them are, are, are getting there. All of a sudden, I have this strong need to play in, in a JRPG. I have a strong need to play some sort of in-depth RPG game with some sort of exploration. That must be stemming from some sense of restraint or some sense of pointlessness that I'm feeling on some subconscious level because I was thinking about it. I was watching all these videos and I was watching Twitch yesterday and uh, I was having a really good time. I was watching this girl, it's her first time playing Skyrim like ever, so she doesn't really know anything about the game. And a lot of, there's about six or seven of us on her channel. I think it was maybe even her first stream. Uh, but it was just really cool seeing the newness of this game through somebody else's eyes, the discovery, the the, the little moments that to us is old hat, but to her, it's it, it's a big it's a big deal. Like she heard the whining noise that Nernrud makes when you walk past it in the water, and she's like, "Wait, what's that? What's that noise?" And people were like, "Oh, that's just a plant that makes a sound." She's like, "Well, wait, no, no, no!" And then I gotta take my axe out. Why am I diving into these type of videos? Well, I must feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just think about, I just think about some of my favorite experiences that have occurred when playing a lot of these games. It's just, it's, it's, it's so different. And I get a lot of the same uh, joy from that type of stuff. Like if I'm going on like a hike, which I've done rarely, or if I'm just wandering around a new city and I'm just like, oh, this thing is over here and it'll be something small. And people don't understand why I get such a thrill, but I've always been the explorer in video games. I've never really been the person that had to have had to complete 
everything off of the list of quests. My, I'm not OCD, but I do need and crave new, unique, and fun experiences, probably at a higher rate than the average than the average bear. When I was playing WoW, World of Warcraft. I didn't I wasn't there at the beginning. I wasn't there when the game first came out, but I was there before the first expansion. And once they had the first expansion, I basically stopped playing. I I didn't need I never got to raid. I never was any raid parties, but I did like filling up that world map. That was a, a lot of fun for me. I remember being like pretty low levels, level 13, 14, 15. And kind of like wandering off into areas that I really wasn't supposed to be. That was really a lot of fun. Um, wandering off the areas where I wasn't supposed to be with my fishing line and trying to find little spots in little mountain uh, sections where I could kind of sit, perch up and just fish. And then see if I could make it to one, from one section to another without getting killed. And I wasn't on the uh, one where you can just kind of go anywhere. I was on the, the, the PvP server to where if you're in the other person's territory or you're in neutral territory, something may be coming. And I, I would play all the different races and stuff like that. But I had more fun doing that than going to the same dungeon over and over and over which is actually my biggest issue with um, MMOs in general. Actually, I have that qualm, and then I have the uh, gameplay qualm. That shit is boring. Going to the same area over and over and over and doing the same thing, gag me. I don't get how people can do it and find that to be fun, where you're looking at the same section again and again. Now, granted... That's still the old model, and there's been tons of improvements. Um, Star Wars The Old Republic had a little bit of that, but not nearly as much. Uh, but the game that I thought was just amazing at how it kind of shifted that way of thinking was Final Fantasy XIV. That was an amazing game, and I literally waited until they fixed it because I saw the reviews for the original and how bad it was and how broken it was and how you're just like, what in the hell is this? They had, they revamped it. And then I played it and I could play it like a pretty good action game in an RPG setting, which is basically all I ever wanted. Action game, you can run, you can dash, you can explore. If you're smart, you won't get killed. You just have to avoid things. That was one of the more fun MMO experiences that I've had and thinking on that I miss those settings I, I miss it isn't it it's kind of weird it's like it's not like a real place it's not the same as like when I drive down to another city and I go explore and I'm like man I miss that city that's a fun city everyone there is blah 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 I get the same sensations of missing Final Fantasy games as if I had driven to, to Austin. It's that same longing to kind of go back and to be alive in the thrill 
of the exploration or the combat or what have you. And I think that's the beauty of what makes video games so amazing is that they give us things that the world can't give us. And it doesn't punish. Yo, so I was trying to think about what else we could get into. One of the beauties of being able to record something in this fashion is that you can kind of stop, start as you want, go at your leisure. I can kind of add in small little segments here and there and just kind of publish them as I go. It's all up to me. There's no script. There's no mandatory anything. I can just kind of talk and just makes me feel interesting and fortunate and content. But I was trying to think about, I want to do one more real quick before I venture off. I think I'm going to buy like a, like a Rice Krispie treat or something. And I was trying to think about what was interesting that was on my mind. And I remember when I was watching that video for Near Automata, and I didn't finish it. I may go back and finish it, but they bring up an interview with the creator. And in the video, the creator is wearing this giant mask that's kind of shaped like a character in the game, kind of like how Dead Mouse wears that giant mask, metal mouse mask over his head all the time. So we don't really know what he looks like. But in watching that, he's giving this super serious, heartfelt interview. But he's wearing this like mask, which you could say it's just distracting. But what he's really doing is he's punching us or he's hitting us over the head with who he is. He's a very abstract, obscure thinker who doesn't prescribe to the status quo. And so I see somebody doing that like that and just sort of living their truth and just doing them out loud. It just makes me happy, man, because I love my weirdos. I love all my weirdos and I cannot say it enough. Everybody who would see all the kids at their school in college or in high school or middle school wearing the same brand of clothing and they were confident enough to say, you know what, that's dumb. I'm going to wear something else, something different. And they would take it to extreme locations. They get clothes that are way too big. They would wear uh, crazy t-shirts and thick glasses and super tall rainbow socks. They would cover their arms in, in beads and bracelets and tats. They would, they would pierce, pierce their nose and wear gauges and dangling earrings. Or they would dye their hair or they would wear the, the forehead protector from Naruto around every day. Like that's, like that's just the ordinariness of who they are. Shout out to them because there's probably too many instances throughout their everyday life where people are calling them or implying that they're strange just because of how they naturally show up to the party. And that's pretty messed up, but that's kind of the world we live in. I mean, there is improvements. It's getting better. But in a lot of cultures, it's slowly getting better. Whenever 
one thing becomes almost normalized, then the next thing that contradicts that new normalization comes up and people lose their minds. I think about hip hop and I think about how everyone was like this gang culture. It's scary. It's crazy. I don't like it. I don't trust it. But then kind of like the the thug mentality, the money, get money, get girls, baggy clothes ish became the status quo in hip hop. And then now kids are wearing dresses. They're wearing pearls, they're carrying bags, they're wearing shoes with tall heels. And the normal thug mentality people are saying that's weird, it's crazy, it's not masculine, it's I don't like it. I want to put a challenge to my weirdos. Don't let your personal idea of what you would do marginalize the next group that comes along because they are going to be different from us. Just remember how how you wanted to be accepted and do the same. Shout out to my weirdos. Yo, so let me give a little bit of intro for this new segment because I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about something that I don't think we really talk about not really when it comes to anime, manga, video games and how it all relates back to the human experience. So I want to talk about sexuality and how the sexuality and the maturity of our own sexual nature kind of like has these imprintings from outside sources and a lot of the times from anime, manga, video games and how it kind of portrays itself throughout the otaku culture. And the reason why I want to talk about it because A, it's prevalent, it's everywhere. Um, That sexuality, whether implicit or explicit, is everywhere. It's throughout the cosplay community, whether it's admitted or not. A lot of the costumes and a lot of the things that people wear is sexual in nature. There is a lot of titillation that kind of goes on with all this stuff. Now, I can't really say which aspects of it are positive, negative, which aspects of it are right, wrong. I can kind of only talk about it how it is because I don't really know how often it gets talked about. The only thing that I can see that does get talked about ad nauseum is people trying to almost not have a lot of the guys come down on the girls who are cosplaying. I remember back in the day, guys would get upset when girls would cosplay as these cosplay characters because they weren't, they didn't feel like these women were really nerds, quote unquote, or they weren't really otaku, or they were just doing it for attention or whatever. And it's this very interesting thing that I don't quite, I never quite understood because for one culture to come from a place where they already feel marginalized and excluded to then turn around and marginalize and exclude other people who want to join almost feels like, almost feels like they 
are lacking in perspective. And that's been addressed millions of times. And how we shouldn't judge somebody if you've only seen one episode of Gundam Wing and you want to dress like Hero, freaking dress like Hero. It's all good. It's really just about getting into the spirit of things and having fun, et cetera, et cetera. And then in addition to that, the other side of the coin that's being addressed is, um, especially right now, is uh, the feminism in gaming and how can we make it a better environment for a lot of women gamers because it's historically, especially in like online shooters and anytime there was a chat, probably MMOs too, it wasn't the best. There are some good environments, but there are some not. There's a lot of, as Kevin Smith would say, uh, underweight and overweight guys who aren't getting laid. Those are our bread and butter. If you don't know where that comes from, that comes from the movie Chasing Amy, which is a genius film. But anyways, and for whatever reason, a lot of it would stem from criticism or what ended up as criticism on the female community. Now the criticism is on the male gaming community and how they portray female, how who they choose, how they talk to the women. And it's always the negativity, the negativity, the negativity. There's never really any just unbiased discussion about sexuality when it comes to anime. Like, what does it mean when like a 19-year-old guy is has the the waifu pillow pillow that he's hugging while he's watching the latest anime what does it mean when people make pages and pages of these memes or there's pages dedicated to not safe for work anime pictures and stuff like that what does it really mean and is one an extension of the other i mean i i don't know 100 but i'll be damned if i'm not gonna just try and discuss it because it's interesting it's a part of the community it's it's a beautiful part of the community as well as run-of-the-mill nonsense welcome to otaku beef i hope everybody is having a great day i i wish that for you guys all the time i'm freaking i'm driving i'm in traffic right now it's kind of marvelous me my girl, we're going to go take some dinner to uh, a friend of ours who had surgery a couple of weeks back. And I don't know all the details, but she's been out of commission. So we're trying to uh, split it between the group of friends and family of every now and then bringing, bringing her dinner, bringing her lunch or whatever we can do. So she stays in the area where we used to live. So we're going to be bringing her some Chinese food, some, some delicious, delicious, well, it's really Asian food, <clears throat> because they have Vietnamese, they have uh, some Japanese food, and they have some Chinese food, so like sukiyaki, which we're going to bring, that's Japanese, but then we're probably also going to bring some, uh, like General Tso's chicken, which is usually pretty, goes pretty good. Uh, from over there but anyway it'll be a good time we just uh, what, what was I bringing that up for I'm such a, I'm such a scatterbrain dude I was bringing that up to let you know that you guys are chilling with me in my daily life like I told y'all that I'm an aspiring rapper and I'm an aspiring otaku and 
inspiring human being, but just like you guys, I'm just a real person. I just have a, I have a regular nine to five job, just like y'all. Uh, I work in an office most of the time, just like a lot of you guys. But at the same time, me and my homies were, were, were otakus, were, were hip hop heads, were nerds, were anime fans. And as I said in the last kind of intro to this segment, I really want to do like a deep dive about sexuality and how it presents itself when it comes to 2D, when it comes to video games. It's something that we don't really discuss because it's always this thing where we kind of talk about it and we're like, oh, it's so funny. Like we kind of play it off almost. So it's so funny because I'll have conversations with friends about remembering uh, when we were growing up, the 2D girls that were in Disney movies and how when you're like a kid, you were like, yo, (laughs) freaking Princess Jasmine was kind of on point. You know what I mean? Like the way that these characters are designed, they're designed to mimic pretty girls. Same with Batman, the animated series. Those animators, when they were designing like Harley Quinn, like Harley Quinn originated from Batman, the animated series. If you, whether you know that or not, she did not exist in Marvel comics until the nineties. And because she was just originally crafted to be, they needed somebody to jump out of a cake during one of Joker's pranks. And they didn't want him to do it. So they were like, well, we'll just invent a character. And because she had such an interesting persona and her voice was interesting, they brought her back again. And then she became popular. And now she's like a staple, right? She was such a popular character that like, Famously, Kevin Smith, whom, if you don't know, now you know, Kevin Smith, the writer and director of some of our favorite movies, my favorite movies, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, he's directed episodes of Supergirl, he has written comic books, he's written a Batman series, The Widening Geyer, he's a OG nerd, geek like a thought leader before that term was even a thing. He named his daughter after Harley Quinn. Pretty cool. So she's, you can see like, okay, yeah, Harley Quinn, powerful, powerful character. They drew poison Ivy. They made her sexy. So like we would talk and be like, man, Harley Quinn from like the freaking animated series is kind of fine over there. But it's always kind of like hushed tones, discussions, you know? So even beyond like characters like Holly Quinn, it was, it's, it's prevalent. It's one of these things that, that creators do that nobody really, nobody really addresses, at least not on any type of form. And I think it's fascinating because in certain avenues, like if you, if you talk about like Kevin Smith's podcast, Smodcast, they'll, they'll talk about stuff like this. Um, but it's still kind of, it's still kind of been like, okay, it's not normalized in the United States and probably Canada, probably the West really in, um, 
And I guess Europe is considered the Western world, though I don't think they have this problem as much in, in Europe as we have. We have the problem in the United States, probably Canada. Let me speak on the U.S. just because that's my home and I know how it kind of operates. We're very Puritan in how we operate when it comes to sex. Everything is buttoned up. We don't really care so much about violence, but we feel as if sex, if sex is introduced even as a concept early on, that it's going to taint the minds of young people, that we're, we're, we're still very influenced by uh, churches, by uh, Baptist ideology, whereas sex is seen as demoralized, as, as, as low, somebody who's openly discussing sex is seen as ha someone having low morals, yet sex is something that everybody does and as everybody aspires to do. We have a very buttoned up attitude towards sex. So when the sex discussion starts to occur in the mainstream, it's almost like the people whom are rallying against sexiness or sexuality in forms of like anime or video games. The notion is they're rallying as if they're, they have this Puritan mindset as if they come out of like 19, like 10 and they're just like, we gotta, we gotta protect these children because obviously the view is that all video games and all animated programming is for kids, for little kids. So we don't want to taint them, which is funny because we say stuff like this, but then we look at some of the cartoons and look at like the character designs. We have characters like Kim Possible. She's seen as like a hero, right? And I... I, I believe she was on Nickelodeon, very popular show. Uh, I watched some of it a while back. I want to say I watched a couple of seasons uh, where her and Ron, he was still kind of lame at the beginning of the series, but it was Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. And the way that they drew her and the way that they drew her nemesis and some of the other girls in the school is they made them almost a little bit more sexualized than we would like to admit. She's a cheerleader, so they gave her curves. Like when she is out fighting crime, her outfit is a crop top. There was no reason for her to wear a crop top unless we wanted her to look a little bit sexy in the show. But we don't talk about it. We don't ever say, oh wow, that character design of Kim of Kim Possible was was kind of sexy. It's it's kept under wraps. It's 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 not even discussed. It's not even really really seen or said as normal. And I feel like that's that's a bad thing. I feel like the United States we're we're a little bit too buttoned up when it comes to this. Now there's two schools of thoughts about how these types of things are resolved because you have Asian cultures and you have um, traditional uh, British cultures which are historically buttoned up cultures where people have stated that the humor that stems from those two cultures is very slapstick because they're pretty buttoned up but in Asian cultures there is an implication that young young people, like teenagers, 
uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, they're going to be interested in the opposite sex. They're going to have sexual feelings and desires. And they almost design shows trying to get the, uh, the attention. There's not, there's not as much shame. So in anime, it's a very interesting notion. Like imagine if you come from a culture where there's things of sexuality that's expressed but never discussed in the United States. Then you see a show from Japan and that sexuality is expressed openly, freely, normally, as if it's just a normal thing. Where shows that are designed for teenage demographics have sexual jokes in them that it's not just jokes that are hidden that are for the parents to get these are jokes for the kids but they're done in a in almost a childlike way where there's this talk of oh i'm gonna look up this girl's skirt and oh man this one girl she she she's got really big boobs and oh what's your what's your cup size and like oh my god this one girl she we 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 get to peek on her in the shower you know these are very like chill childish ways of approaching sexuality but it's almost understood that yeah that's what kids are gonna do that's like when you're 14 and there's a girl and she's playing like I don't know field hockey and then all of a sudden you see up her skirt you you're like oh wow that's crazy because even though you're young you're 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 becoming a sexual being and I feel like that's kind of portrayed in in anime that in a way that just isn't it isn't even tolerated or 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 thought of in in the united states and it's kind of it's kind of weird to me so that's kind of how it manifests but what about when the shows mature on and like the the sexuality in anime becomes a genre unto itself whereas we have a whole genre called Eichi. And I'm just going to stick with Eichi. Nothing like too more stream. I don't really want to get into hentai or any of that stuff. Because that's just that's just animated porn. That's all that is. But what about when it's just like there's a genre. And they purposely include methods of sexuality throughout the story like they purposely make characters with larger breasts they purposely make characters who wear low-cut outfits who get into poses who are all about that quote-unquote that life of showing themselves off or whatever i was watching uh konosuba recently and that was the that was the feeling that i got from that show konosuba is you can categorize it as being Eichi. There was the character of Darkness whom she had large breasts and she her, her, her character trait is that she's a masochist. She likes being punished. She hopes that she can get into a fight where her armor will get torn off and she'll, she'll be put in these crazy situations. Um, in Naruto, there's like a whole thread line where he's trying to like, he has sexy no jutsu, he's turning into a naked girl and he's kind of covering up his breast and like his lower parts with, with a cloud. There's all these different like random implications and things when it comes to sex in uh, anime. In Bleach, there's uh, Matsumoto who has like a huge rack and you know, 
they make comments to other girls who don't and about being flat chested and so forth and so on. What I'm trying to say is that they, 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 they treat sex and sexuality, they, they allow it to be normalized as opposed to the, to the United States culture where it's almost demonized. And so the U.S. ends up being fairly repressive when it comes to stuff like that. So what do we say in those instances? Do we just sit back and actually talk about it? Do we try and put our best ideas and thoughts forward? I don't think we do. And actually, I feel like that's a shame because it creates almost like confusion and oddness. And I really want to talk about this a little bit more in depth. So when, when, when I come back, I'm going to dive right into the cosplay section of it. Welcome to Otaku Beef. I'm Zid Raw. I hope everybody is doing great. Continuing on this vein, sexuality from anime, it bleeds into the thinking because we like seeing beautiful women dressed in very uh, attractive clothes or clothes that are extremely flattering. We like it. We appreciate it. We're drawn to it. To every degree of just appreciation, to outright, outright lust, that's just a part of who we are as people. I think we do ourselves a disservice by trying to state that how people naturally feel is bad. When I was 14, all I had on my brain was girls. Girls, soccer, anime, anime girls. That's basically it. You, your body is going through crazy stuff and that doesn't go away. It expounds all the way through your 20s in college just girl crazy, girl crazy, girl crazy. And as a young woman, you appreciate feeling attractive to certain individuals, whether it's men or women or whatever. Now we try and control the sense of whom should be attracted and whom has the, I guess, the permission to be attracted or to be a pre-approved viewer of whomever, but that's just not really the reality of it. We know that men and women are drawn to attractive people. So seeing sexy cosplay, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And not just because the person themselves is a beautiful person, but because of the time, the energy, the effort. It's a different layer of sexiness. Like, guys appreciate it when a woman is dressed nice, when she's wearing nice heels, nice clothes, her hair is done, her makeup's done. We feel energized being around an attractive person. Or... For, for my gay brothers out there, when you're around somebody who's dressed up and they're in a nice suit and they're looking crisp and clean, you appreciate being around that person. It's fun being, you get charged being around an attractive person. Why is it any different 
from a cosplay perspective. Now, there's this weird thing where almost like it's not like we're pretending that stuff doesn't happen or we're pretending that it's like invisible or people don't know that they're dressed sexy. It's almost like we just don't talk about it. Where people wear the different costumes and outfits from their favorite shows. And we make some mention of it, but we don't go over the top. Not really with being like, man, such and such look really, really sexy. Because there's like that borderline limit where you have these beautiful girls and these beautiful uh, beautiful guys. And they're dressed crazy. I mean crazy in that good way. Like, man, that outfit was crazy. Like that. We never really talk about the sex appeal, the, the, the draw, because that's really there. Like, there's a sexual energy to certain outfits. That's just the nature of the game. The whole point of a lot of those outfits is the sexual energy, the, the, the appeal of them on the characters when they're watching the show. So... Uh, people are watching these H.E. scenes and they're like, man, wouldn't it be really cool to meet this character in real life? And then, bam, you have the you have the cosplay character. Someone dressed as that character in real life and they look amazing. And you probably don't even know what to feel, but that's the beauty of it. It's, it's unique. You know, shout out to all my cosplay friends. You guys are killing it. You see, but that's when things start to get a little bit more interesting because we don't, there is the other side of things which, you know, needs to be acknowledged at the same time. Like, all the time, can you imagine what it's like being a girl in general, like, you get hit on all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Now, add on to that the cosplay costume of your favorite character or whatever, it probably goes up exponentially. So I can see how that would be a burden. And obviously, it's about being respectful of somebody's space and of their feelings and everything. But... There's not really any understanding on the part of any of the individuals, even though we know that this is how people are. We, we, we assume that sex is like our baser selves, that sex is like lesser than what we are meant to be. All these people... Even the people who are in the cosplay costumes, they're going to want to get married. They're going to want to have sex. They're going to be, want to be with the people that they love. That's just reality. I just don't understand why it's so... It's just such a weird, weird topic where people are just so uptight about it. And I, ne- I hear it every now and then. Like You'll hear like a couple of shows and you'll see certain celebrities and stuff like that who... 
you know, they're just like, oh, I'm free. I do whatever I want. And, you know, some guys like Dan Blazarian, he has his channel where he, he like, goes on, like, jet ski tours with, like, 20 girls, you know, being silly and stuff. But it's not commonplace. Those people are seen as outliers. So I always wonder because, okay, let's get into video games real quick, too, because I think this topic is fading or maybe I'm fading on this topic, but I have so much more that I could say about this. But there's been a lot of backlash about video games, right? About how the the depiction of the women in video games is seen as wrong and sexist and or gross and whatever. Where they'll make a woman, she'll have a suit of armor and the armor will only be like a steel bikini and uh, dead or alive volleyball the whole point is the uh, the characters are dressed in scantily clad bikinis and they're bouncing around etc now it's always been a weird issue for me because i never quite understood the anger simply because the anger never felt balanced Everybody who was constantly going at video games and comic books and video games and comic books, but no one would ever talk about the cheerleaders at football games. No one was really talking about the women announcers at boxing matches and MMA, the the bikini girls at, uh, in, in rap concerts and, and stuff like that. No one was talking about that. But in the nerd culture, they're losing their minds. I can't believe that they made... Laura Croft looked like that. Now I get it. You don't want to have just a woman being a bimbo, ridiculous, over-the-top, only sex sex symbol all the time. But it's not evil for a man to enjoy looking at a sexy woman, real or not. It's not like evil. He's not the Antichrist. Well, there's a there's a woman I listen to. She has a feminist page on YouTube. She's very, very smart, and I'll have to pull it up uh, for next time. But she pointed out something super interesting where she said it's about status, where the people that are bothered by the unsavory comments, they're only bothered if the people who are making the comments, like the men, are low-status men. Like... If they're like kind of like the loser nerds from high school, loser nerds in college, they're like the status is too low to even be in that lane. Isn't that interesting? I had kind of guessed that, but I never really heard it vocalized. 